Today's episode is sponsored by By Heart, which is an infant nutrition company built from the ground up to deliver real innovation on behalf of babies and parents. Their mission is simple, make the best formula in the world. In our house, we never skim on family time together on the weekends. Instead of racing around crazy, we prioritize time at home, time to relax, time to do fun, crazy things that we wouldn't have ordinarily. And you know who else doesn't skim? By heart. By heart is the only American-made infant formula with globally sourced ingredients to use organic, grass-fed whole milk without a drop of skim. Whole milk is full of healthy fats like naturally occurring MFGM, which play an important role in baby's brain development and growth. Are you curious about ByHeart? Redeem your welcome offer at byheart.com slash podcast with codename Zibby20 for a limited time. Hi, this is Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature, comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Hey, everyone. I need your help. If you love this podcast, you will love my children's book. It's called Princess Charming, and I am really trying to drum up pre-order sales. You might not know this, but before a book comes out is actually a really important time for the whole book's trajectory. So... Please pre-order Princess Charming, which comes out April 19th today. Just stop what you're doing and go do that, please. When it arrives on April 19th, you can give it to a loved one in your life, a niece, a grandchild, a child, a student, a kid walking by on the street, anybody. But if you could do this, here is my offer. If you email me your receipt showing me that you bought the book online somewhere and pre-ordered it, Email info at zibbyowens.com. That's info at zibbyowens.com. And I will pick 10 people to do a special giveaway project award to from my new Bonfire merch store, which you should also check out, which is um, the Zibby Owens Media Bonfire store where you can get all sorts of cool t-shirts and uh, tote bags and author sayings and all sorts of great stuff. So what did I say? 10 of you are going to get a special care package of your choice from the Bonfire store. And I will pick at random from all of you who pre-order the book. So if that wasn't clear, go pre-order Princess Charming. Again, it's called Princess Charming. It's my debut picture book. It's really cute and great. And it's illustrated by Holly Haddam. And then after you get the receipt, screenshot it or forward it to me at info at zibbyowens.com and you will be entered to win one of 10 exciting care packages. So go off and order. Thank you so much. Bye. Susan Rigetti is the author of Cover Story, a novel. Susan is an author, screenwriter, and the former technology op-ed editor at the New York Times. She has been named a Person of the Year by Time, the Financial Times, and the Webby Awards, and has appeared on Fortune's 40 Under 40 list, Vanity Fair's New Establishment list, Marie Claire's New Guard list, the Bloomberg 50, the Upstart 50, the Recode 100, and more. She is the author of a book on computer programming that has been implemented by companies across Silicon Valley and the author of the critically acclaimed memoir, 
whistleblower. Listen to her life story as we talk on this podcast about cover story. All right. Welcome, Susan. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to Discuss Cover Story, a novel. I'm so glad to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Thank you for having me. I did not, by the way, speaking of unexpected things in your book, I did not even notice <laughs> this was the plaza in the sunglasses. And I looked at this like a hundred times without noticing, right? It's so cool. The detail, the detail on that cover just amazes me. Oh my gosh. I'm just no okay. I'm I'm noticing the faces. I, I know now the other faces too. It's like okay. Yes, I am not the most visual. Um, <laughs> the other day, I was like, I just asked my husband this morning. I was like, Did you put something over the phone so like you can't see the screen? And he's like, I did that two weeks ago. And I was like, Okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't notice visual things as much sometimes. But anyway, off of me. This book was so great. I got totally sucked into all of it. I love how you incorporated. This is like the book for like the attention deficit generation because it's a mix of all sorts of different formats from like FBI briefs to emails. Like it's just, you're constantly like stimulated with the different formats. So talk to me about, tell listeners what it's about. And I want to hear about how you, the way in which you told the story. Oh gosh, where to start? So I was working at the New York times and I was, I was waiting to like write the perfect novel. Like I've written novels in the past and none of them are like, you know, ones that I really wanted other people to read. They were just terrible. And <laughs> so I was like, okay, when, when I get the right idea and the right one comes to me, like I'm going to write that one. So I was working at the times and I was reading and obsessed with all the different like grifters and con artists. I mean, there's so many, especially in the past few years we've seen. And I was just totally fascinated. And I was reading like everything I could about them and just like going down all these internet rabbit holes about like, oh, look at this person and this person's Instagram. And like, oh my gosh, like look at this text message that they had sent that now is like getting pulled into this article. And I just thought it was just absolutely fascinating. And the thing that I noticed that was so fascinating was about my own reaction. I was creating this narrative in my head about like who these people were and creating this timeline that later on when I read more about them after we had uncovered more, like it wasn't true, mm. right? It was just like the pieces that I've been putting together. And that really, that realization really stuck with me. And I was like, oh, that's fascinating. And I didn't think any more of it for a while. And then I was reading all these. And the other thing that really struck out, like stuck out to me was, you know, they didn't really end the way I wanted to, right? Like, you know, Anna Delvey didn't escape, from the police. And there's like all these different things where it was like, oh, it's real life. It's not, you know, a movie. So I got this idea for the ending before I came up with anything. Like I got the end idea for the ending. And I was like, this is the scammer story I want to read. And so I was like, oh my gosh, I have to write it because it's going to be so fun. And then I remembered that realization that I've had about like the way we create narratives in our heads when we're just reading like little bits of information and not having like the actual, like what really happened. And I thought, I wonder if I could write a novel and like take all the things I love about like all these like con artists and scammers and all the things that I love about like media and publishing and fashion and tech and just write something that's like funny and that gets the reader to like create this narrative in their head that then, you know, at the very end, you can just like pull the rug out in front of them and be like, oh, <laughs> here's what really happened. <laughs> yeah. 
And that was my goal. So tricky because I was like, I have to be so careful (laughs) to like make it work exactly right. (laughs) It worked perfectly. Oh my God, I'm so glad. I don't even want to share my emotions because I don't want to like give anything away at any point. But as I told you- It's so tricky, right? (laughs) Amazing. I also, I interned at Vanity Fair when I was in college. So I feel like I totally related to this, you know, being in the closet and like the fashion closet or the beauty closet, not knowing what (laughs) I was doing. Obviously your character is L and not at Vanity Fair, but you know- whatever, same general thing. It's the same experience. Yeah. I didn't intern, but I talked to a lot of people who had either interned or worked with interns at various magazines. And like (laughs) the stories are pretty much like there's some people have like amazing experiences and it's all glorious and wonderful. And then there are a lot of people that are just kind of like, well, (laughs) here's what really happened. (laughs) And I just found that totally fascinating because I don't know, it's just so human, right? Where like, you can imagine like getting, you know, what you think is the job of your dreams. And then you show up and you're like, oh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> yeah, this is pretty intense. <laughs> spent a lot of time and I have no interest in fashion, which anyone can tell by looking at me basically, but I was in the fashion <laughs> department. No, but like, you know, I dress nicely. Like I'm, all, I'm put together, but I am not into fashion. Like I'm not cutting not edge. I'm not I'm like following way. a trend. Like if I just like what I wear today, I could have worn like 20 years ago. You know, like I'm not, I'm not on trend <laughs> unless it's so obvious. Like I was watching the Grammys and they're like doing nominations for the best new artist. And they're like, this is who your mom's going to be listening to in five years. And I'm like, yes, that is totally me, like with fashion. But anyway, I worked in the fashion department. I had to put all this, you probably don't even, you're like so much younger, but there used to be little slides of everything, like not there. And you had, I had to put them in slide protectors where there were like 12 in a row. No. And like all, like, took so long. It was crazy. Anyway. Oh yeah. my God. But I mean, there were some interesting parts, but you nailed it. You nailed I love the that. whole thing. Oh, I love that. That makes me so happy. There's always that tricky part of like when you're writing about something you don't know and you're doing a bunch of research, you're just like, is this going to resonate? Like, is this... So I'm glad that. I want to hear about your research at the plaza. Did you have to do some really, you know, tough work by, you know, checking out rooms at the plaza? I feel so sorry for you. Oh my God. <laughs> I have to tell you the craziest thing. Okay, so I wrote this book like a few months, like the fall. It was like the fall before COVID hit. And I had said it in the next year, (laughs) then in 2020 and 2021. And then when the pandemic hit, I was like, oh my God, like I can't keep this the same at all. And I kind of just was like, okay, I can't write this book. I don't know what I'm going to do. And I was no, 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 don't throw it away. It's too much fun. And so I went back and rewrote it so that it happened in like a few years earlier. But then I was, it was really tricky because I had all these things that I wanted to do, like really, really tour the L headquarters and like really, really tour the plaza and like just get in all the rooms. Like I had this whole plan where I was going to like reserve specific rooms and I would like set aside money and I was going to spend a ton of money and just like go and stay in these rooms and really experience them. And none of that happened. And I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? So (laughs) I talked to a whole bunch of people and read a whole bunch of, like hunted down pictures of the L headquarters so I could like get an idea for like what it was like. And so once I got that locked in, I was like, okay, now I have to get the plaza locked in. So I watched a million videos. I read a million books. And then there are these like 3D virtual tours of the hotel rooms 
on the website. And I spent so much time in there until I knew like every doorknob, every electrical outlet, everything. And like, just like burning them into my mind until I knew literally everything. And then I had to go and figure out like, okay, which one of these would cat actually live in? And so that took a while. And it also had to work because there needs to be an extra bedroom and there needed to be this kind of like degree of separation, like physical separation. And I found the perfect one. And then I spent months, like literally months every day, I would spend so much time just staring at that and just like imagining them walking around and where would they go and what would they do? And where would the wig collection go? And where would this go? And where would that go? And like all these different things. And then once I felt like I really knew it, I went back and like rewrote basically the entire book because it had to be so physical. And I wanted that hotel room to be a character, right? Like I wanted it to be its own character in the book. And so, yeah, it was a lot of fun. (laughs) Wow. Well, that sounds amazing. That's just awesome. I feel like it's the plaza has gone through so many changes lately and I I just feel like something has just so been lost forever. It's so sad as a lifelong New Yorker for what it is now. I know it's such a, it's beautiful. And there's this amazing book that I read called the plaza. I mean, it's like a history of She was on my podcast, Julie. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Really? Uh, Yes. Yes. That book is incredible. Oh my oh, gosh. You would like I each it, other. Like, I'll put you in touch. Really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, amazing. I think I follow her on Twitter. I sent her a copy of the book because I was like, I owe you, like, you have no idea. Oh, that's <laughs> like, so I could nice. not have written this book without you. Her book is just amazing. And it, it made me, like, I don't know, it made me fall in love with it all over again, you know? And just like, oh, it's a special place. And oh, I love New York. Anyways. <laughs> okay. We can't bubble wrap our kids to keep them safe. But we can give ourselves some peace of mind now with the Life360 app, which I am obsessed with. I first heard about this from a girlfriend at a party who told me that this was the app to use. So I got it. And now I am obsessed. It's a family connection and safety app that lets you track the people and things that are most important to you. And it's much more than sharing location. It is about safety. It keeps families connected and protected throughout the day. Plus, it helps you find your things. So I have tiles, one of which I put on my phone, which I lose a 100 times a day, and I can find it through the app whenever I lose it. Also, it lets me put in locations of interest. So I get alerts when my kids reach school after taking the bus or when my husband gets to LA or whoever you want to track. You can do it with Life360 and feel very protected and safe and it makes life better. It makes peace of mind better. Life 360 has my family's back when they're on the road, and I can track their stuff too if I need to. Plus, of course, it's a lifeline during emergencies because you can have crash detection to know if one of the kids is in an accident and with two almost driver's license kids, that is super important to me too. So put away the bubble wrap and protect your loved ones with Life 360. Visit life360.com or download the app today and use code BOOKS, B-O-O-K-S, all caps, to get one month of the gold package for free, plus 15% off all tiles. That's life360.com, code BOOKS. I I also really like the point of view of, like, of the intern who is just seriously struggling with money. And she's thrust into this situation. And the other interns are so, they don't even think about it. They don't even realize how 
Yeah. They don't even realize their displays of wealth because they're just doing them like they don't even think twice, like where yeah, they're going yeah. to lunch every day and how they're what they're wearing and all the things that she's trying so hard to mask and try to fit in and and she agonizes over all of it right because like it's all something that's like so out of her reach and I don't know that just felt really real to me as someone who like came from a background of like really growing up in poverty and then you know like I went to an Ivy League university and I remember just being like everything was just wait how do I do this what were they still wearing what's going on and it it was just so intense I remember everyone had this bag (laughs) So funny. <laughs> like, you know, those like, what are they called? Oh my gosh, I cannot remember the brand. The life of me. But every, every all the girls had the, this specific bag. And I was like, oh my gosh, it's like a, like a nylon bag or something. And I was like, oh, this is going to be amazing. I, sh- I should totally get one. And I remember I walked up to one girl and I was thinking like, it's going to be like $20 or something. Some like $20 bag from Target. No. <laughs> I walked up and I was like, what is this bag that you have? And she was like, how do you not know? And she like told me what it was and I was like $160. And I remember just being like, oh, which is like in retrospect, it's like, of course you shouldn't know. And it was an expensive bag, but it's like those things where like you just agonize over it when you don't have that. And when it's like, you know, a totally different world. And I remember I went back to my diaries from when I was like in college. And in that time, just to like, what was I saying? What was I thinking? Like, what was I writing to myself? And that's, I pulled a lot of those little pieces in because I felt like, you know, I wanted to be true to that, like that, what it felt like to be there. And that was a lot of fun to write, but also like kind of sad, like, oh, I feel for you, Laura. (laughs) Wait, tell me more about like, so where did you grow up and what was your life like? So I grew up in rural Arizona and I was homeschooled by my mom. So I have six siblings. She homeschooled all of us and it was amazing and wonderful. And then around when I was like in what would have been like sixth grade, our family, like we, we were very poor, but then it got a lot worse. And my mom had to go back to work and she put all my younger siblings in public school. But then me and my older sister, for some reason, I don't really understand. Like I've tried to figure it out. I don't know what happened, but we kind of got like lost in the system and the schools were just like, nope, they can't. And I don't know if it was supposed to, because we were supposed to be taking like standardized tests. I have no idea. But it was kind of just like, okay, so I guess you two are going to homeschool yourselves. And so that's what we did. So me and my older sister, we were just kind of like on our own. And what I ended up doing was working during the day. I worked as a stable hand. I worked at this place where it was like, like it was called the spider farm, where they would like breed like black widow spiders and like take their venom out and send them to researchers. It's quite an adventure, worked as a nanny. And then at night I would come home and I would just like teach myself things. So I would like, you know, try to teach myself math, English, basically anything that I could. And I had this realization that like, oh my God, like what is my life going to be? Because I have no formal education. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to be like in poverty forever. And then I was, got even more scared because I looked at the girls my age and who girls who are a little bit older than I was who were in my community. And like, even the ones who went to school, like they had such a hard time getting jobs. They couldn't get into colleges. Like it was just so tough. And I was like, I'm going to live in a small town in a trailer park for the rest of my life. And I just, I didn't, I felt like I was capable of doing big things and I, but I didn't know what I was going to do. And so I was like, okay, 
I am going to get into college. That's going to be like my step one. I'm going to focus on that. So I would call up all these colleges and I would say like, like I literally like picked up the phone and called Harvard. And I was like, hello, <laughs> I want to go to Harvard. How would I get into Harvard? And I don't think they understood what I was asking, but I was literally just like, okay, what does a high school student need to do? Like, what do they need to know about math? What do they need to know about science? It's like, you know, they would send over all these like, you know, students need to have this kind of like an, an SAT score or an ACT score and like this many recommendations and like this many years of English and all that. And then, so I took this list that I got from talking to all these colleges and then called a bunch of high schools. And I would literally just like, what are the textbooks that you use? Like how, what are your like English textbooks for like ninth grade, 10th grade, 11th grade, 12th grade, like literally went to that level because that was all I knew. That was like, I, I'm just going to try to do what everyone else does and see if I can get there. And then I had to take, you know, standardized tests. And I didn't even, I, <laughs> I had no idea that like people like prepare for these things. I thought you're just supposed to like show up. So I showed up and I was just, it was a disaster. It, I thought it was at least, but I was really lucky. And amazingly, I walked away with a really high ACT score. I don't remember what it was, but it was like one of those like really high ones. And it was high enough that I got a full scholarship to Arizona State University. Oh my gosh. They literally didn't take into account like any of the, anything else. It was just like the ACT score because my ACT score was so high. And it was just dream come true. Amazing. I was blown away. And so I ended up going there and I loved it. It was wonderful. But I, I originally went there to study philosophy and I had been reading all this, like all the philosophy stuff on my own. And so when I got there, it was like kind of just reviewing everything I knew. So I started taking graduate classes in philosophy and I wanted kind of more of a challenge. And then I took this amazing astronomy class, fell in love with physics, then Arizona State said, you know, you can't study physics because you have to have all these prerequisites for a physics major. And I didn't have them. So I ended up, I decided, well, maybe if I transfer to another school, then that has a different policy, like maybe they'll let me study physics. So I again, picked up my phone, called a bunch of schools. Hey, if I got in, would you let me study physics? Would you let me study physics? And University of Pennsylvania was one of the ones that said yes. And so they, I got I transferred there, went there, studied physics, studied philosophy. And then after being there for West, I spent like four years there and then came out here to Silicon Valley and worked as a software engineer. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I worked at Uber for a while. And then I was kind of infamously at this point, I was a whistleblower about the sexual harassment there. So this, which brings us to where I am now, because before I quit, I had this moment where I was like, you know, everyone's telling me, and they're probably right, that like, after I blow the whistle, after I speak up about this, like, no one's going to hire me as an engineer again, which ended up being true. But I was like, okay, so I'm going to have to start all over again. If I could do anything, what would I do? And I thought back to when I was a little kid and like, I've been writing my whole life. Like I've always, I've written, I've always written like, always these stories. Like I wrote all these little books when I was a kid and they were never for anyone else. Cause I had, I had no idea. How would you even get something to publish? I didn't, I didn't, I had no clue, but I just loved to write. And so I wrote for years and years and years and I got better. And I was really grateful that I had done all that because then, you know, when I was at Uber and I needed to write something to like tell my story, I knew how to, cause I'd been writing for so long. And then I found myself and I was like, you know, needing to start all over again. I said, well, you know, I've always wanted to be a writer. Like if I could go back and I could live one life 
I would be a novelist and screenwriter. And I also had this idea that like, you know, I'd always really wanted to be an editor at a newspaper or a magazine. So those were like my, my big things. I said, okay, I'm going to do all those things and I'm going to see what I love most. And maybe I'll do all of them or maybe I'll just love some of them. Who knows? So I got a job as an editor of a tech magazine out here and I really loved it, but I wanted to do like, I wanted to work in like the most challenging possible environment, basically. I was like, let's go all the way. So I got a job at the New York Times and it was amazing. Just absolutely wonderful. And I worked there for a few years and I loved being an editor there. I loved all the creativity of it. I loved working with writers. I loved just like shaping the trajectory of things. I loved the strategy part of of editing. I felt like it was just so creative and so fun. And then I also was studying to be a screenwriter. So I took some classes at the new school, started writing screenplays. That was amazing. And then I said, okay, I'm going to finally write a novel, hopefully, that like I really love. And that brings us to cover story. And this is the one where I was like, you know, I've been writing for so long, but none of them felt like, oh, you want everyone to read this? And then I wrote this and I was like, this is it. This is the one. I want everyone to read this. Susan, and then here we Susan, are. the story, your life story. This is insane. I cannot it's believe wild, you right? are so <laughs> impressive. No, like that. Is, oh, thank you. I mean, it feels chaotic. <laughs> no, it's amazing. It's amazing. Oh, thank you. The most amazing, I feel like, is you getting out of where you were, like being homeschooled to to like an Ivy League school. What the heck? You know? I know. I know. I don't think I could repeat it if I tried. Like when I look back, I'm like. Whew. I don't know. I don't know how I did that. But this was really important for me because when I was writing this book, one of the hardest ways for me to get into the characters of Kat or Alessia was like, how do I make her human? Like, how do I bring, because, you know, you got to bring some of you, like some of your own vulnerability, some of your own experiences. Otherwise, it doesn't feel real. And I had this challenge where she didn't feel like a real person. She felt like a caricature. And I was like, oh, I got to make her real. So I took these pieces, some of these pieces about like, how do you get out of systems? How do you get out of poverty? How do you get people to take you seriously? And she has this, her experience is different than mine. She can't get people. She can't get into the schools. She can't get into the jobs. And I was like, you know, if you were very desperate, if you had nothing else, you can see, like, I wouldn't do it, but you can see how someone would justify to themselves doing these things. And so I I had to bring that in to make her feel more real. And I did that on like, one of the very last edits of this book where I was like, oh, she's missing something. And I was like, okay, I got to use myself. Okay, here we go. (laughs) And I think that that gave her a little bit more humanity, you know, toward the end. So. Wow. That's really, really impressive. Wait, question. (laughs) How was your dad ever in the picture? This is like none of my business. You can just shut me up, but. Yeah. So my dad was a preacher. And he was also someone who had like these really big dreams and never, ever accomplished them. So like my mom was an artist. She went to art school. Amazing. What she's just incredibly gifted, incredibly wonderful artist, brilliant. And she wanted to be a stay-at-home mom and teacher. And so she ended up not being an artist, but she, she had like, she felt like being a mom and being a teacher was her calling. She's a public school teacher now. Amazing at it. And then my dad was a preacher and he also like, he had all these dreams, all these things he wanted to do. And he just couldn't figure out how to make them work ever, ever. And growing up with that was, it was so heartbreaking to see because like 
he lived so like authentically and his dreams were always on display, right? Like he was always working to accomplish things. And it was a really beautiful thing. Like, even though he had a lot of pain, it was really inspiring for me because I saw like, okay, imagine if you had that drive, that passion, that belief in yourself to just keep trying. And imagine if you could break through, imagine if you could get something done, imagine if you could succeed. And so that was really inspiring to me growing up. It was really painful though, you know, because when you look back and I don't know, it's, I feel really blessed to have had, you know, such an authentic, full, like big dreamer for a father. So that was really inspiring to me. Very different than the father of the convicts in the book, but that same desperation. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I have to tell you, so I started reading the book. I read the book before I researched the author. Sometimes I research the author first and then I read. But this time I just like jumped right into the book and read the whole thing. So then I flipped it over and I was like, who is this author? And then I was like, oh, <laughs> this is funny. She she like makes all this stuff up. It's so tongue in cheek that she must have made up this bio because it's impossible for it to have all been true. And then I had to double check it on your website. And I was like, oh my gosh, like she wasn't kidding. Because there's so many accolades. I just have to say, like, this is amazing. Person of the Year by Time, the Financial Times, the Webby Awards, 40 Under 40, Vanity Fair, New Establishment, Reclair, New Guard, Bloomberg 50, Upstart 50, Recode 100. I mean, you're on, like, every list in the world. How did, I mean, what? It's weird. It doesn't feel real. (laughs) It doesn't feel real at all. I'm just like, oh, they must have made a mistake. (laughs) Oh my gosh. And then of course, whistleblower. So, wow. I mean, it's a lot, huh? (laughs) It's great. So like, where are you now in your life? Where are you emotionally, physically? Like where are you? You're still living in Silicon Valley, it sounds like. I am. Yeah. My husband, his company is out here. So we're here for, you know, for all that. And I worked at the Times for a while. And then once I started like making enough money to, to like, to, you know, I was making more money than like write, writing like novels and stuff more than that, than my regular job. And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is an amazing opportunity. I can just write full time, which is like, you know, honestly like the dream. And so there was also like, they were getting ready, ready for the election and all the coverage went to like the election and pandemic. And I, there was like none of the things that I really loved working on were still there. So I was like, okay, this is a good time for me to transition. And so now I just write all the time and I love it. It's amazing. I can't believe like I'm, I pinch myself all the time. It's like, this cannot be real. I can't believe it. Yeah, and I'm just always, always writing, trying to figure out like, you know, what's that next one that I'm like, you know, cause I write, I'm very prolific and not everything is like something that I'm like, okay, this is the next one we're going to write. So I'm, right now I'm trying to figure out, okay, what's the next novel that I really am going to want like to put in people's hands. So that's where I'm at right now and writing screenplays and just having a lot of fun. And yeah, it's great. I got two little kids and they're just absolutely magical. So I guess spend a lot of time with them, which is really fun. And yeah. Wow. And what's happened to your siblings? Well, they're all doing really well too. Almost all of them have gone to college, except for the littlest one who he's starting college. Or the two littlest ones actually. And they're all just, you know, they're doing really well and they're just thriving and well, I'm really proud of them. Wow. Well, this is like a movie in and of itself. Just this little piece of <laughs> Okay. So like, what have you not crossed off the list? 
Like, what is it? What is it now? Like, clearly you keep setting your mind to things and you're like, I'm going to do this. Boom. What are you, I'm going to do this about now? Is it screen? Is it writing a screenplay? I have a whole list. Actually, I'm going to show you something funny that I've never showed anybody else. I have this list, this book, literally a book. That's, it says my goals and dreams. There are 180 things I have not accomplished yet that I want to accomplish. And it's like the most random stuff. So this is what I'm just working through right now. I, I'm, I love that so much. I can't even tell you. Read me a couple. Just like pick a right. couple. It's like so random. Okay. One is visit Antarctica. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I've got learn basic fencing. So I'm actually taking fencing lessons right now because I'm, I want to cross it off the list. Write a middle grade novel. Mm-hmm. What else is on here? Oh, I really want to read War and Peace in Russian. I really want to read Plato's Republic in Greek. So I have like all these like random things. And some of them I crossed off, but actually not many. <laughs> oh, see, I have published a novel. I've got cover story on there. Oh, my god! <laughs> this crossed it off. <laughs> what else do I have? Oh, I really want to direct an episode of television and I really want to direct a movie. So I feel like that's probably like the next like 10 to 15 years. And I want to write more novels, but that's a big thing in mind is that's coming up next, I hope. So... Yeah, there's just like so many things. I, you know what? The great part- but it's amazing. I, the great part is you're going to do them because you put it in a book, like that book. Like, yeah, you can't not, right? Yeah, you're, like, you're gonna, and you're right not going to forget. Like there's so many things that I say I want to do. I also at some point want to write a middle grade novel. I'm not so sure about Antarctica. Yeah, do it. Do you know, it. I, 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 yeah, not yet, but like I have a bazillion diaries from when I was that age and I'm like, I have to do something with this. Yeah, if you don't have the list- I don't know. I just love your motivation is inspiring. And now I want to like go write my own list. And the fact that you keep it right there, right? You're never letting go. I have to. It's amazing. Yeah, I have to. And then I rewrite it every few years. I sit down and I rewrite it. And sometimes I'm like, wow, I would never want to do this thing. Like, what was it that was on there? I had something that was like, it was the most random, some like athletic thing. I'm not a very athletic person. And it was like something like run a 10K or something. Oh, it was run a 10K. And I was like, I'm never going (laughs) to. Do you have do you have any politic politics dreams like leadership type things? No, I don't. I I at one point I did. I did want to just like I tried to get involved in something. So like one of the things I got involved with was like legislation at the federal and state level of getting rid of forced arbitration. And then like I wrote an amicus brief for the Supreme Court. And I think that's kind of like, unless there's something that like really sticks out to me that I'm like, okay, I need to like put my name and all my my energy behind this. There's just like so much. There's so much. And it's like, it's a very chaotic world. That bill just passed. The Gretchen Carlson bill. I know. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. 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 Mostly thanks to Gretchen Carlson, who is just, oh my gosh, she's worked so hard. Like she worked harder than anyone on that stuff. She's amazing. She was on this podcast talking about it before it passed. Oh yeah. She's great. She's really great. Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Susan, if I could like pick stocks on people, I would be picking you. I can't wait to see, like you're going to do whatever. I just, I would, I hope I get to see what it is that your output is and, you know, follow along with like, you're crossing off the list. You should put it on Instagram or I don't know, something like you should make it something that like people are all rooting for you and like going along with it. That could be in a book also, you know? That's a good, that's a good idea. I feel like when I look at it, it's so funny because I look at every time I look at it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, life is short and I'm never going to get to do all these things. <laughs> but it's, it's fun. It's really fun. And yeah, I do feel like life is short and I've been given a really amazing chance and yeah, there's just so much to do. 
And I'm just really glad. I, I just can't wait for Phil to read the book, honestly. At this point, I'm just like, okay, what do y'all think? Like, I just want to have like a million book club things. I'm like, we can't do that because you're the author. You have to, <laughs> <laughs> you have to chill out. <laughs> Oh my gosh. I love it. Well, I'm excited for you and I totally enjoyed it and it was so clever. And again, you know, I just didn't put all the pieces together. So I just... It makes me so happy. You have no idea how much it means to me. I'm so excited. So thankful for you for reading the book and also just like for having me on and it's been really fun. It was fun. Thank you for chatting with me. Thank you so much. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music.